Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast, where my co-host David Partain and I talk with thought leaders throughout the advisory industry. We seek to invite guests that will provide unique insights and actionable ideas for advisors that want to fine-tune or grow their businesses while deepening client relationships. While many of us expected to be, and I'm using air quotes, back to normal by now, Nothing is further from the reality as we continue to navigate in a pandemic with no clear end in sight. And I know David and I are often asked by advisors on how they should be prospecting during this pandemic. The topic of referrals always comes up. And for some advisors, new business has stalled with the pandemic, but many have embraced the new normal or the current normal and are having success in finding and actually onboarding new clients. As a student of practice management, I am constantly looking to see what other practitioners are doing, how they are motivating advisors and what they're passionate about. And after following Penny Phillips' work at Thrivos Consulting throughout the early days of the pandemic, I've been impressed by her messaging, which is, in my opinion, a great balance between timeless advice on building and nurturing lasting client relationships, along with a firm push to get advisors to embrace the environment we're in to their fullest advantage. Penny, I'm so uh, delighted that you agreed to join David and I on the Flexible Advisor podcast. Thank you so much for having me, folks. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Well, Penny, I don't know what Laura's talking about. This seems normal to me, not being able to go to the store and being able to have to stay in, never going to a restaurant. I, I don't know what she's talking about. But it does sound impressive that you have clients that are actually onboarding clients themselves. So tell us a little bit, bit about Thrivos, why you started the business and how you have been doing during these crazy times. Yes, I, you know, it's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm almost getting tired of starting off presentations with what crazy times we're in. But, but the reality is, is this is just, uh, nobody's ever quite seen a time like this. And I, whether you've been an advisor or a consultant in this space for, you know, five years or for 35 years, this is even playing field for all. So it's, uh, you know, all in all, we're hanging in there. We, I, I run a practice management coaching and consulting business, as you folks know, and We've had to shift and adjust this year, just like everyone else. I'd say the most rewarding thing for me has been just to be able to help advisors and institutions navigate through these difficult times. The irony is, David, that I, when I started the business a few years ago, I started with a singular focus, and that was to help advisors and institutions manage change. And at that time, the change I was hyper-focused on was threefold. It was the shift to a, a complete fiduciary standard in our industry and, and how that's going to impact the way we deliver advice to the consumer. 
Um, the second shift was just the, the shift of assets and wealth to the next generation that we're starting to experience now. And then the third shift was, you know, the impact of technology and artificial intelligence on pricing. And so I, I was really looking to help advisors and firms be able to, to manage their businesses through those three change lenses, if you will. I never would have anticipated a global pandemic, uh, but I'm glad that we're in business. Um, we were in the business of helping advisors not only learn something new from, from an objective perspective about their business, but also we help them shift behaviors and belief systems that no longer serve them. So when I say we're a coaching and consulting organization, I say that intentionally because we do the work of teaching but also helping folks ultimately teach themselves how to shift and adjust. Well, those three things really suggest to me that you were on the forefront. You kind of caught the wave. That's all. That's really great. Good for yeah. you. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, a little bit of luck, I guess. Yeah. Well, you can be lucky and good. So that's, that's great. <laughs> I think I've heard the, the term, it's not always luck. It's all the hard work that comes before the quote, uh, luck happens. So congratulations to you, Penny. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember where I first came across your name. And I think somehow I got linked into your Wednesday wisdom emails, which I love that title, by the way. But there are so many things landing in my inbox. But since I found the Wednesday wisdom, I typically open them because I know what to expect. They're short, they're to the point, and they offer very clear and very frank advice on important business building topics. Would you tell us a little bit about how you came up with that idea and what the feedback has been? And do you have uh, one or two pieces of uh, wisdom that are your favorites to share? Yeah, and first of all, Laura, I'm so glad you enjoy them. I, and, and you just, you said something just now that reminded me of something. You said about luck and hard work, and obviously I'm big on social media and I'm constantly engaging with folks. And I just had this back and forth with somebody about luck and people who have success, especially during tumultuous times. And I think many advisors can relate to this. The folks who are have the easiest time and are, are most open to adapting and evolving quickly are the ones who have success. And so I, I, I joke that, you know, it's lucky, but I think what we're really good at and what we try to teach advisors is that, you know, you need to be able to adjust and adapt sometimes on a daily basis. And that's sort of where the Wednesday wisdom came from. Um, when I, when I first launched the business, I realized that I really needed a way to speak directly to my audience. And I think this is something that advisors can relate to. How do I co connect directly to my audience in a really oversaturated marketplace? And so I did what I tell advisors to do. Think about where your prospects are spending their time and getting information. And for many of my advisors who are my prospects, um, it was on LinkedIn, it was on Twitter, and you know the standard uh, social platforms. I knew that they hung out there, and I also knew that I had their email addresses. And so I simply turned my camera on my laptop or my iPhone at the beginning, and I just started talking. It wasn't, and still isn't, Laura, as you can attest to, they're not edited, they're not overly professional. 
I don't script them. I just have a candid, honest conversation with my audience. And what I do intentionally is I use a topic that's organically emerged in my conversations with advisors the previous week. So I literally don't plan out anything. And that's, that's worked really well for us. Um, the feedback has been fantastic and it's been the biggest contributor to Thrivos's success. And I will tell you, some people have said, well, they need to be a little bit shorter, you know, two or three minutes. But I, I've really stuck to my guns on this one. I think the advisors who are, are at the point where they're ready to shift and adjust, they need, they need a little bit more than just that, that two or three minute um, snippet. And so we give them the 10 minutes and hopefully they can take the concept that we're talking about and run with it. Um, I definitely have a, a few favorites. The ones that have been really, really popular lately, I, I would say maybe our biggest views have come from the, the video about pricing and service structure. And so I, I often say the line, as advisors, the most important thing you can do is teach the consumer the difference between wealth management and investment management. The reason why advisors may have trouble with pricing or feel guilty about quote unquote overcharging clients is because they say they're doing wealth management when all they're doing is investment management. Or they say they're doing wealth management when all they're doing is selling life insurance and, and doing risk management. And so teaching and, and then embracing the difference between those two structures, that video was super popular. And then the other one I think, and this is a recurring theme in many of my videos, is helping advisors make a choice between lifestyle practice or enterprise. I think the industry has had a tremendous influence on financial advisors and suddenly everybody feels like they need to grow at 25% year over year and drive enterprise value. And, and the reality is, is that I take the complete opposite approach. I tell advisors, you don't have to do any of that. When you run your own business, you can truly build whatever it is that you want, especially if you're in a broker dealer, you have that luxury. And so the video about enterprise or versus lifestyle practice, that's also one of my favorites. I think that's fantastic, Penny. And, you know, I mean, really, uh, it is easy to kind of get sucked into the one size fits all. If, you know, most people are doing that, then I should do it as well. <laughs> and speaking of that, so I admit that I've been following you kind of behind the scenes, but I, I saw one of those Wednesday wisdoms and I it spoke to me. Um, we were very well aligned on our thinking and I, I think I reached out to you right as I finished that video and it was on referrals. <laughs> your, your thoughts on referrals and how to get them really vary pretty widely from the advice that so many uh, advisors have followed for many years and are used to hearing. And for me, it really resonated. Would you mind sharing your thoughts on, on the best way that you think advisors can gain client referrals? Oh, absolutely. And this, you know, I have to say, this probably is another one of my favorites because I judge my favorite videos and, and practice management best practices when I have one of two things, either advisors telling me, oh my gosh, I've always been thinking that, but just haven't found anybody who felt the same way, 
or when people have a really negative reaction to it. And so if, 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 if industry leaders or other consultants have a negative reaction, I know that I'm onto something. So um, I'm glad you mentioned this one. I've been to so many workshops as, as you folks probably have been to as well and keynotes and presentations where the, this topic is client acquisition and referrals and the speaker is instructing advisors on how to ask for referrals and, you know, include the language in your emails. And at the end of the review meeting, ask the client, do you know anybody else who, who would value what we do? Go bring your feeder list to the, you know, meeting. And in fact, when I posted this video, I'm just going to talk about in a second, I had an advisor comment and say that he was at a Starbucks one day and the gentleman next to him actually had a printout of like LinkedIn contacts and must have been in some sort of review meeting or prospect meeting and was asking for introductions. And so my take on this is that if this, first of all, if this method actually worked really successfully, then, you know, firms wouldn't need to keep hiring consultants to come back and hold the same exact breakout session every single year. Um, I don't believe that advisors should ask for referrals in, in the traditional way that I just described for a couple reasons. Um, the first, the first reason is the, the, the advice landscape has changed. So what a consumer wants from an advisor and any service provider has changed. In the past, the service provider, whether it was the advisor or the, the you know, accountant or the lawyer, they were looked at as the, the all-knowing person, right? People came to advisors, and I'm using that term broadly, because they had information that the consumer didn't have access to. And so to some extent, the client, you know, felt almost obligated to be helpful to that advisor in helping them grow their business. And so it wasn't awkward to sort of ask, make that ask of the consumer. Well, now we're in a place where that model has been flipped on its head, right? The, the client is at the center. The old EF Hutton days, right? When EF Hutton speaks, people listen. Well, now it's when the client speaks, we listen. And so suddenly asking a client to help you grow your business by asking them for, it just doesn't sort of make sense anymore. The other thing is I get asked all the time, well, isn't it awkward to ask a consumer or client rather, do you know anybody else who would value our services? And I don't know why as an industry, we don't give the honest answer, which is yes, it is awkward for the majority of people, right? If you're, if you're imagine going to a therapist and, and somebody who you are going to sort of be really vulnerable with and who's going to help you figure out your life. And suddenly the therapist says, well, if you get value out of what I'm helping you with, like, would you, do you think your mom or your sister would want to, you know, come in and, and meet with me as well? Like we would never do that. And, so, <laughs> if it, and here's the challenge. If an advisor is really running a truly client centric business, then they have to be willing to deliver advice and guidance and service and expect nothing in return, except for their fee, of course. And what I will say unequivocally coaching in this business for many years is that the advisors who are consistently at the top of the list and growing organically year after year are doing it because they're really good advisors and people give them referrals unsolicited. Now, as a caveat to that, there are only really two exceptions to this rule. And so 
my advice, don't ask for referrals from every single person who you meet with because it's just, it, it's not aligned with building a truly client-centric model. However, there are some people in this world, and if you've ever read Malcolm Gladwell's books, Outlier and you know Tipping Point, he does, he talks about this type of person who naturally likes to refer and naturally likes to connect people and be a networker. We all have a small handful of those people in our books of business. Those are the people who you can ask and they won't be offended by it. They actually will get excited when you make them feel like they're part of something. So any advisors who are listening, if you can identify those people who are natural networkers and make a call to them at the end of the year and say, hey, look, we're growing and we have room to take on three more clients this year and we'd love for you to be the one to refer those clients, those clients will be excited by that, right? So that's the first exception. The second exception, and we all know some advisors are really good salespeople and asking for referrals, that language comes very natural to them. So they're the type who can place that phone call I just talked about and said, and say, hey, we're building a, a, you know, a, a client advocate group. We want you to be a part of it. We'd love for you to introduce you know, one new prospect to us a quarter and, you know, and invite them to be part of our community. If you're able to naturally talk like that with somebody, then go for it. But most advisors aren't able to do that. And that's just the reality. Well, I, it's funny, some of the terms that you use, and I was thinking about some things as you were going through that, Penny. I, I think of myself as a connector and somebody who likes to refer, um, you know, whether it's restaurants or my CPA or whomever it is where I feel like I've gotten tremendous service. They've just wowed me. Those professionals never need to ask me because I I go on my own and give the referrals. Wow. But I think also, you know, as a as a connector, I also am, uh, David's heard about my favorite restaurant, Frankie's Restaurante, you know, for years now. But every time I see him, I say, what can I do, you know, especially during these hard times? What can I do to support the restaurant? What can I do to, you know, and I'll, and my husband and I will be on Facebook and we'll post pictures from our last visit because we want to drive business to uh, this entrepreneur who has become a, a close friend over the years just by our going to his restaurant. But I'll tell you, you know, so that's, that's kind of who I am. But a couple of times service providers that haven't wowed me gave me the, the, the task of, you know, give me five names of people that might need my service. And I was just, you know, it was ick to me. <laughs> It was just icky. Like it was work. My service provider was coming to me and giving me work. I'm like, that's, that's not my job. And so then I'm trying to think. And then eventually I was like, the heck with it. That's crazy. I'm paying him or her to do work for me, not the opposite. So um, yeah, it's just interesting how different people can take these requests. And I think it's important to think about it before you just try to lock into, you know, one way of doing things. Absolutely. And you know, Laura, we've spoken about this. I'm, I'm a big proponent of that with advisors. Like the, the challenge with the challenge I see with our industry is that put successful producers and advisors on stage in front of advisors and say, do exactly what he or she did. 
And I, I just don't think that's great advice. Like we need to teach advisors how to develop an intuition and how to you know, have high EQ and, and let them figure out success for themselves because it looks different with each person. So I, I think you're right on with that. So Laura, I've heard of Frankie so many freaking times. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I have to go, I have to go, but yes, you are definitely one of those people, those connectors. So congratulations to you because some advisor is going to love you. <laughs> you know, having been in this business for over 30 years now and, you know, the traditional way of getting a client was often through a game of golf or a steak dinner, which I got to imagine those methods if they're not impossible, they're very difficult these days. And so going beyond referrals, how are you coaching your clients to prospect and where are you seeing success? And even what tactics are advisors using to drive that success? It's a really good question, David. And as you can imagine, I get asked it often and people don't often like my response um, because the response is that is actually no secret sauce. And um, if you're listening, just, please hang with me for a second here. So I think we oftentimes are, are constantly looking for, you know, the silver bullet or whatever it is. And, and I alluded to this before, if you actually dig into what the best in the business are doing, the best advisors, the ones who are adding, you know, 30, 40, 50 million organically a year and, and who grow and thrive despite chaos in the markets or, you know, in, in the world, they're really good advisors that understand that you have to embrace the fundamentals of practice management, meaning their best business development tool is simply their ability to be good at what they do and institutionalize what they do. In other words, they're able to create and replicate a very similar experience for you know every client that comes in the door. And so Things don't feel ad hoc. They don't feel like they're constantly reinventing the wheel. They're able to constantly reproduce this really high level concierge uh, client experience. The other thing that I'd say is that the, the best advisors in the business, not only are they just sort of like able to, to systematize the client experience, but they're also able to preempt client questions and concerns. And what I mean by that is they're not the advisors who are constantly feeling reactive. They're the advisors who have a systematized schedule for when they reach out to clients. They've gotten to know their clients and prospects better than any other firm or any other advice provider in the business period. And what I mean by that is Imagine having an experience where before you feel compelled to reach out to your advisor to ask a question. So I, I think of what, what just happened with COVID and with PPP and, you know, all these things that were going on, you know, the advisors who preempted all the questions that clients had, who were, you know, already very quickly hosting, you know, a podcast or sending out a fact sheet or holding a conference call with a client to walk them through what the options were for their business if they're a business owner the advisors who were proactively reaching out to the accountants and saying, hey, let's hold a joint call just to make sure our client is good for, for this quarter. Those are the advisors who, and it's not a traditional way to think of prospecting, 
but those are the advisors that naturally generate referrals. And, and I would, I, I would say, yes, golf and, and taking people to dinner. That's always been a, a, a natural business development sort of strategy for advisors. But at the end of the day, those advisors are also really, really good at advising. And that's actually what helps them retain the business. The other thing I, I talk a lot about, and I've talked a lot about lately, is the idea of relentlessly prospecting. And so in, in a world where we can no longer meet people face-to-face, at least for the time being, so that channel has been cut off, I ask advisors, I challenge them to ask themselves, well, how can I be a relentless prospector with what I have left? The only two channels you have left right now as an advisor are social media platforms and your current book of business and centers of influence, but I would consider those you know, your, your current book of business. And so as a relentless prospector, you have to be willing to wake up every single day and spend morning to night talking about your business, writing about your business, recording videos about your business, reaching out to people, having a, a, a virtual coffee session with them, joining virtual happy hours. And, and I would say that if you don't wake up feeling compelled to do that, then you really have to dig deep and think about what, what type of business are you really looking to build? Do you really, the lifestyle practice where you're sort of just coasting what you want, or do you really want to continue to grow bigger? If it's the latter, you have to be obsessed with what you're building. Um, and I'll, I'll end this sort of these comments with, you know, it's really important to let people know that you're in business. I think as advisors take for granted that, well, because they still have an office and they have clients that people sort of assume they're growing. And I, I can tell you as a business owner myself, it's incredibly important to constantly be talking to people about what you're building. E- even if you're, you're, you know, making it sound sort of bigger than it is, talking to people about new marketing initiatives, about the fact that you're really active on social media right now, communicating directly with people about your excitement about the business gets them excited. I I think what holds advisors back from doing this is not seeing short-term results. Advisors, many of them, especially if they're baby boomer advisors, grew up in a transactional sales culture. And so if the conversation or golf game or post didn't immediately lead to business, it doesn't feel like it was a worthwhile exercise. And relentless prospecting is something that has to become the fabric of your day-to-day. And so I hope that makes sense and, and encourages people to just start using every single conversation to somehow talk about their practice and the work that they do. Yeah, in fact, I saw a recent survey that suggested advisors are doing that through social media. Are you finding that? And as we are continuing to be sidelined physically, are you seeing more openness to social media? Is that survey correct? And how about virtual conferencing? How is that going? So I will take the latter. So virtual conferencing, I have to tell you, I've been blown away by the virtual conferences that I've attended um, this year. Uh, a number that I spoke on uh, that I, I would would have otherwise been in person or maybe wouldn't have spoke at. I think this is going to change the game for our industry. The the ability to put on a really world class, seamless conference and give the attendee the ability to 
absorb the content that they want, interact with others, have a community. I, I just think it, it changes the game in terms of conferences. I, I will tell you that many, many advisors are loving Zoom right now, but I'll, I've noticed a couple of trends. And I, I'll, I put Zoom into the whole social media thing. And I think advisors have tried to adapt but I think the reality is, is we're still going to see the three segments of advisors emerge. The first group is the advisors who simply can't adapt. And my message to advisors right now, by the way, is I think this year is going to push many advisors who are already sunsetting to sunset much sooner. And so if you want to build enterprise, uh, you should be spending all of your time talking about the fact that you are in the market to buy books of business and inherit other advisors' books. Because I think just like we saw before 2020, there's a significant segment of, of advisors who are just not willing to adapt any more than they already have. And then we have our traditional, you know, movable middle advisor that these are the folks who are finally signing up and getting a LinkedIn, finally opening, you know, a Zoom account getting, being more digital friendly. And then the third group are the ones that I spoke about at the beginning of the call that are just, you know, they're, they're able to quickly adapt no matter what's going on. And, and those are the, the, the top 1% or so. Um, and so I don't think that's changed. I think we're seeing the same sort of behavior, maybe a few more in that middle category. What I'm noticing though, is that advisors I think are getting to a place now where they're feeling a little bit social media burnt out, especially if you weren't used to being so active on social media before. And all of a sudden you had all this new activity that you could implement, right? Posting and holding these virtual seminars and virtual review meetings. Because we were smack in the middle of COVID a couple months ago, that felt like really productive activity. And I think what advisors are realizing now is that the level of activity we saw a couple months ago is not realistic and activity has sort of waned. And I think advisors are feeling nervous, like, okay, what's, what is the new normal? Is it what we were doing before COVID? Is it what we were doing during COVID? Is it some combination? And so I think giving yourselves permission, advisors who are listening, to find a balance of activity, uh, that's, that's going to be really important. And, and recognize that the level of activity you were doing before with, you know, 12 Zooms a day, that's just not realistic, nor is it sustainable. Um, the second thing is I, I'm encouraging advisors to leverage what they've learned these past six months and implement that into their service model. So I don't think it's realistic to say that every client needs to have two in-person review meetings anymore. I think we've proven that clients will adapt and that it's perfectly okay to have all of your lower tier clients on a virtual engagement with you only. And maybe only your top clients meet with you once a year. And the other meeting is, is a, you know, a, a virtual zoom experience. And I think implementing what you learned to better your systems and infrastructure, I'm noticing advisors do that now. And I think that's really, really critical. The last thing I'll say is I've also spoken to a lot of advisors who started a blog or a podcast, and I give those folks tremendous credit. I would say, if you are able to do that, just do it. You don't need to be a professional. You don't need to get a professional microphone. 
you just do it and start speaking candidly to your client base, that would be my best advice. And I, I've seen some people start to do that and they've had great success. So, so those are my comments around, you know, digital and social tools. Yeah. And uh, so we are new to this whole podcasting thing. We came out with Flexible Advisor at the end of March and it took on a different life than we had imagined when we were planning pre-COVID. But, you know, I, I think that the whole podcasting thing, it's its really easy. For, if we go back to the referral thing, let, let your clients know you have a podcast. Hopefully they'll listen, they'll find some value in it. Think of somebody in their circle of friends or family that might benefit from what you're saying. And it's really easy to share a link. You don't have to ask anybody to do anything. Just I, I listened to this podcast. I thought you might be interested. So we're, we're up against time, but we'd like to end these with ideas uh, or advice from clients and takeaways. And, you know, you shared a lot of that throughout our conversation today, Penny, and I really appreciate it. But could you leave us with maybe one or two final actionable ideas that you wish your clients and, and other advisors would put into play right now? Yeah, and I'll I, and, uh, sum up sort of some of what I said, because I, I know I sprinkled them throughout. So the, the two things I hope advisors do, and, and certainly hope clients as well. Um, the first thing is just hold, if you haven't already, hold a session with your team. And your team could be your one assistant, it could be your coach, it could be your spouse or your actual team. And reflect on what you've learned the past six months literally just a list of things. Does Zoom make review meetings more effective uh, or efficient? Have you realized that you don't need an office? Do you want to be better about capturing you know, the advice that you provide and maybe start charging subscription fees to folks who you know, maybe don't have a lot of assets with you but need your advice? All of those questions are questions you should be asking yourself, advisors, as you make the list of the things you've learned. And based off of that list, I would create a list of initiatives for next year. So based off of what you've learned, maybe Zoom is gonna become a core part of your review meeting process, et cetera. Whatever you, those initiatives are that you, you know, extract from your learnings, share those with your clients. As I've said throughout, the most powerful thing you could do is continue to remind clients that you're in business and that you're building and that you're building for their benefit. And so sharing your initiatives with them for 2021, really, really important. The second thing I'd say is just create a direct line of communication with your core prospect base. If we've learned one thing, it's that the advisor and firm that best understands the client wins the business. And I don't just mean understands what their net worth is, but really understands how they react in difficult situations like the one we just went through. Those are the clients who win. So if you can create an, a, a line of communication, whether it's a blog, whether it's posting on social media, whether it's a video series, whether it's a text chain with COIs in your network and start sharing things that you're doing for clients, learning from clients and, and help people with, I think that's going to be really helpful to the advisors who remain in this business and want to thrive over the next 10 years. Well, Penny, thanks again for joining us today and sharing your obviously passionate and your informed perspective. Thank you. Thank you so much, folks. This was fun. 
If you'd like to know more about Penny Phillips and Thrivos, simply go to thrivosconsulting.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-O-S consulting.com. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.